OTB Sports Rugby. Some of the hype around Jack Crowley has been premature. He's played pretty well, but having him as the second coming of Christ seems to be a little bit aggressive. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Brian, Chelsea nil, Manchester City won. It was a, I'd say, flat 40 minutes. And after that, it was 100 miles an hour. City got going eventually, as they generally do. Yeah, it took them a long time. They were used to seeing Manchester City dominate in possession against almost every opposition. The likes of Liverpool would take them on now and again. But not too many teams have taken them on. Teams are generally prepared to play the counter-attack and deep defence and work from there. But uh, tonight, Chelsea had a bit of a go but it was more that Manchester City weren't at their best. It was a strange kind of a line-up with um, Cancelo on the right-hand side. He was almost in the attacking outside-right position. Uh, Walker as the right-side, the centre-half of John Stones and, and Nathan Ake on the left side. Sometimes it looked like it was a three and Foden was the left wing back, but it was hard to know exactly where they were the positionally, what the manager had asked them to do. But there was no great fluency to the game in the first half from a Man City point of view. Chelsea were the more impressive team, even though they had to put up with a couple of early changes. They were upset, upset their rhythm slightly with Sterling going off so early. I thought that didn't help them at all. Pulisic as well. But they, they dealt with that quite well. But then we saw Manchester City the um, the real Manchester City I'd say early second half changes at half time had a major impact no messing about I wasn't surprised he made those changes at half time I was just surprised at the personnel I thought it would be either Cancelo or Walker he'd take off he took both of them off and it, it made a difference they were the better of those changes Akanji coming into the fence had an impact and the other changes that he made as the game went on, obviously Mares and Grealish come into the game as well. They had a, 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 a big impact on it. Not the first time, either since the World Cup or in the weeks before the World Cup, where it didn't feel like we were seeing the real Manchester City. There was a sloppiness to, to Kevin De Bruyne again tonight that was there against Everton at the weekend. What is it that's happening that we're not seeing the real Manchester City to the consistency that we've seen over previous seasons? Well, it's, it's hard to... Hard to analyse that and put, but you know, be, be succinct about the reason for that. Um, obviously, there was a fair disruption to the squad with so many of their players been away at the World Cup. The Bruyne didn't have a particularly good time. Obviously, he 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 would have brought a fair bit of criticism on the team by saying in advance of it it appears that he said that the team was too old to win it and the performances at the competition were were were, were majorly disappointing I think given that it was considered golden generation that's kind of the end of them and it proved to be the end of Martinez too the manager but not just him I think the fact I mean Alvarez was involved tonight and he had a great World Cup still waiting on him to play but several mm. of the other players were at the World Cup I think because we were at the Etihad for the match against Manchester United where like it was as good as I've ever seen any team play in the Premier League and I think yeah. we all came away going like it was Grealish's best performance Foden scores a hat-trick Haaland scores a hat-trick that they were just going to steamroll everybody since then yeah. and they've never got anywhere near that level yeah in the well, well they haven't dropped that, I mean they've lost they've, lo- they've, they've lost a couple of games in the league um you know, I mean, points wise, uh, I think the manager Pep has been having a bit of fun in recent days, saying it looks like Arsenal might hit around the hundred points the way they're going, and I, I think he's kind of 
that's playing a bit of mind games, putting her up to them there. But if you look at their own points, I said to you before the game today, 36 points is not a bad total from 16. Most teams, most managers, if you have 36 points, you're averaging over 2.2 a game. That's league winning form. The problem is that just Arsenal have been ahead of that. They've only played two games that they haven't won. Arsenal, one loss, Manchester United, and, and um, two draws. Yeah, they've had two draws. But you look at City, they've not too badly at all. But they haven't been at that level that we saw. Now, I'd say there was a fair amount of disruption around the whole World Cup. The players been absent for so long and tough to get back into the rhythm. I mean, Everton at the weekend fought like demons to hang on to the point. It was an extraordinary goal um, by Demarty Gray, the counter-attack. We got a bit of time, made time, stuck her in the far corner. Then they just couldn't break them down. Everton dug in. But the, the, the movement and rotation and uh, quality of the passing hasn't been at the level I, I said to you early before the game even that the Haaland one is interesting because they've become a bit more predictable now in their movement and in their positional play because of Haaland's presence he's only ever in the centre forward position whereas previously we used to watch Manchester United and anybody could appear in the centre forward position even the full backs even Walker even Cancelo but certainly those attacking players the likes of Bernardo Silva Gundogan arrive and Leigh Maras coming in off the flank folding from the flank whoever happened to be around and maybe that's helped the opposition a little bit they can focus on the centre forward mm. and a team be- like Chelsea tonight who have you know such experience at the back Thiago Silva and Koulibaly were were excellent Throughout the game, like I, you know, I know you don't want to create any headlines, and nobody wants to say like Haaland hasn't been an unbelievable signing and may not be the best striker in the world. But tonight, Manchester City had a lot of possession around the Chelsea area. Is that where Haaland is the difference that you know now? If you mark Haaland, that no likelihood Bernardo Silva is not going to make yeah, that run he might yeah, make. Or yeah. well, when you look at you, that with, with the evidence is there, that's the case. I mean, if he scored twenty-one goals before tonight, and I think the top scoring player after that is on three or four. It would, it would suggest that all the action is with Haaland around the box and the opposition and we saw Everton at the weekend where uh, Godfrey who who hasn't had a great career by any means or Everton his job was concentrating, concentrated on probably upsetting Haaland to a degree Haaland took the goal very well the cut back and he's in space he took it in there but aside from that Godfrey did very well he upset him it seemed physically and mentally by, by, by sticking close to him by being aggressive to him and Haaland reacted to that and maybe that's you know I mean the two lads tonight didn't go that way they went on using their experience and their guile to outplay him certainly the service to him wasn't as good but you know this could be just a period for Manchester City where it isn't it hasn't started flowing for them yet and they just need to get a few results I mean they've scrapped out a result tonight Deserve to win overall, I thought, the way the game was played. And we see how it goes from here. Now they've got the Chelsea game again, the Cup. We, they want to win the Cup match. Mm. They want to win the Cup. Then they've got Southampton, I think, in the League Cup. But then they're into a, a run of games where I think they've got Spurs twice. Got United. Full, is United it? at Old Trafford yeah, straight away yeah, after. United and there's a couple of Spurs games coming mm. up. But we might see them back on their game there's obviously a bit of pressure on a lot of the players the manager won't be too happy I'm sure he I think, I'm sure he got stuck into them at half time tonight and I, I wouldn't write 
write them off in terms of getting on that run that we've seen before where they can string eight, nine, ten victories in a row uh, together. But I think the two matches when they eventually play Arsenal are going to be critical to the outcome of the league because Arsenal are in such fine form and... They drew it Newcastle the other night. You know they played well. They dominated the game. Newcastle are a good side. They're going to be there and thereabouts in terms of Champions League spots. So now you're going to drop they, points. They didn't have a Riyad Mahrez and the Jack Grealish to bring off the bench. Um, Arsenal didn't. No. no, no. But they've got good players themselves. Mm. Arsenal. They've, they've, I don't think they've got the depth of the squad. I know a lot of people think they're a very strong squad and they've got they've got cover in the full back position, centre half position. But I'm not sure they have quite the good thing. Vieira uh, and Ketty has done quite well in the centre forward position. Vieira is the, is the next one for the um, for the attacking positions if they lose one of the, one of the forward players. Smith Rowe, if they can get Smith Rowe, if he gets back to full fitness in the midfield, it's Elneny is the next one for the centre midfield position. But they're I, not. They're not of the level that Manchester City have. want to be better than the guy But, but what's in Arsenal's favour is that they don't have the Champions League. Mm. They're battering away in the Europa League. They were very comfortable in the group and they were able to play very much a half-and-half half team right through the group stages. They don't have that and the cup competitions won't be as important to them. That's for sure. Whereas for, uh, you know, whereas for Manchester City, uh, the Champions League is, 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 is the real ambition, I think, mm. anyway. I was going to say where are Chelsea uh, we know exactly where they are they're 10th in the table they're 10 points behind 4th covered their game at the weekend against Nottingham Forest and they were incredibly flat and it seemed like a strange game plan they had tonight was better but even then when they were chasing the game again there just seemed to be a, a lack of a what is this team about and what are they trying to do in an attacking sense? Well, normally, normally when Chelsea change the manager, it's at a time there's a bit of crisis. But that crisis is usually about that they're not forced or second. At the moment, the crisis is they drift down the, the table. I, will they change the manager again soon? Bowley, the new owner, said all the right things about the new manager when he was coming in. But most clubs do that as well. Always when the new manager comes in, they're talking them up and talking, well, we made the right decision here. This guy is is the man that can fix mm. our problems uh, will they stick to that because you know the results I think league was before tonight was 4-3-3 so I think that makes a 4-3-4 four, four, four wins 3 draws 4 defeats since Graham Potter's come in he's had 16 matches they've done well in the in the Champions League now I would have said that you know there's a lot of experimentation going on with, with shapes and um, positions of different players and personnel that's the way managers come in and you have to have a look at the squad when you get there and you're learning about them as they play in the matches but usually while that's been going on at Chelsea the new manager has been able to manage to win games mm. and get them back up in the table or get them into contention to win a competition sometimes it was the Europa League or the, the League Cup or whatever it might be and then the next season they're, they're back in it's not gone that well for Graham Potter but you have to look at the injury list and missing Kante he's kind of been forgotten about now a bit but he's been such a vital player for them for so long we know how brilliant he was for, for Leicester but he's been brilliant at Chelsea as well he's a massive miss for them the two full backs uh, the two full backs and I, I think the two I mean I wondered about why they went and I think there is a scatter a scatter gun approach to the signings they signed the Cucurella on the base of one good season at Brighton. Now, I wonder when the manager when Potter was at Brighton I think he said, I'll tell you what this is so money to be getting offered. I think the mm. fee was 50, 60 50 million. million yeah. They pay for a left back that one good season for Brighton and you're going, 
Is he is he really that good? I would have went. No, they have Chilwell as the best left back in the league. You know, maybe Robertson at his best will be close uh, Liverpool left back. But I would have thought he was a, so. They signed another left back who can play a bit at centre half, but he's not brilliant at centre half. He's not great. So you're looking at that and saying and they um, Reese James on the other side he contributes so much to them he scores goals he had that run last year where he scored five or six goals in a, in a short period of games but he's a very very good aggressive young hungry gets back quickly I think they're two big key players for them they lost the two centre backs uh, Christensen went off Zuma went off or whatever happened there where they they wanted to go where they saw the lights the big lights in, in Spain and big money Money as well because they were going on free as that was poor management, poor, poor management overall. I'd say by the club that they lost them, uh, and then the, the the Werner and Lukaku one where they've Lukaku gone back to Inter, got nothing out of him really, bringing them back. Now they've let him go back again. Doesn't look like he wants to come back to them, but they've left themselves without a real centre forward. So it's. I, like Potter needs time what he did at Brighton he didn't do that much better than Chris Hewton at Brighton in the first year or the second year he, in fact I think he won the same amount of matches that Chris won nine I think in his last year and Potter won nine in each of the next two years he got a few more draws mm. it was the third season where he had started to build it to the sort of team he liked and the team he wanted with the players he wanted and he started to get the best out of some of those signings and the likes of Pascal Groot and McAllister and, and Cucurella even when he was there and he, he, he rejigged the centre-halves and Shane Duffy lost his place and different... But it took that time. Will he get that time at Chelsea? Chelsea have not been known for being patient at all under Abramovich. It'll be very interesting to see how it goes now. Uh, from an Irish point of view this week... Uh Evan Ferguson has, I think it's fair to say, got everybody a little bit excited. We've been talking about him for a long time. Everyone's known about the potential that is there. He came off the bench and he made his two appearances for Ireland. And I think Stephen Kenny said at the time it was worth doing because he felt the way the fixtures were going to go, maybe he might end up getting a bit of game time ahead of the March games and he could come in quite useful. Uh, I don't know if anyone expected the two goals in a week and the way that he got the two goals. What, are you, what, what have you made of them and how excited should we be? Well, look, at, you have to go back to the start and you know Keith Long was managing the team at Bowes very, very well and he was uh, very astute in putting young players into the team. Most of whom Bowes seems to have, have sold in, re, in the last year or two. They're, 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 they're decorating all around the different levels of leagues in England. It's continued right up until Day, young Mullins went yesterday, but that one at the time was it was was kind of startling that he put a fourteen year old into into the team against Chelsea in a in a friendly game, and everybody took notice of that. And Keith, as I, said, I respect him highly, I respect him as a player. I signed him as a player, but respect him and his management, the work he did at Bowes. And I, I remember calling. There's a reason for this. He wouldn't be doing this uh, just to dress her up and hope they sell him on. He obviously thinks the, the boy has ability and could be in the team. And, uh, you know, I, I followed through on his background at that time and said, oh, he's Barry Ferguson's on. I knew Barry well. Barry played in under Indian national teams. He played in, at the World Cup for us in Nigeria in 1999. Very good centre-half and a very good lad. He works full-time for the FAI as development officer. There's a great grounding there and a great um, guidance, I'd say, but also a physicality. His dad mm. is a big, tall lad. 
come steep in a football family. Um, his granddad would have, would have played at a very good level. I think it would have been at uh, Manchester United at one time as well. But the Ferguson's were a great football family. So he come from that environment and he's got the physicality, guidance, uh, technical ability, gets in early into teams <clears throat> and was doing well in the underage international teams. I think the other 21s, I don't think he played much before that, that la- the last game in the group when he got the head of goal in the, in the last game, um, which was a powerful goal, a corner kick. And that kind of shook people, shook me a bit. I said, my God, he, he's jumped up from the, the under-17 age group straight to the 21s, he scores. And now they're starting to put him around the first team and he's on the bench. And but this week, scoring against Arsenal. And then he scores again, and you're looking at him going, "What a goal! What, 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 what!" But it was his all-round game, and the fact that a new manager is there, he comes in and thinks he's good enough to start mm. the team. Now. And it's not like Brighton have a load of injuries, and there's a load of players missing. There, you know, there, there's one or two players missing, but there's not a lot of men in front of him. And the it looks like he's going to get, <coughs> excuse me, a run of the team now. Great potential, um, and I think a very steady. Steady background, um, very down to earth. Been impressed with his interviews. I'm not surprised that he spoke very sensibly as well. And is a team player and understands it's not about him, it's about the team, about the team getting results. And that's perfect for Brighton as well because they've never been a team who've been reliant on a striker to score goals necessarily. Now, it looks as though he has goals in him, but actually, if you're to be the front man in that Brighton team, you're going to have to be about work rate and holding the ball up and bringing. Well, the players into the game. Into it, which, well, well, it's been one of the weaknesses that? of Brighton mm. that they, 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 you know, they had Malpay at one time. Were, and he was not, he, not quite good enough, scored enough goals. He signed, signed uh, Johanna Bash at one stage. Mm. Chris played a good few well him, Got nothing back from him. Wellbeck's been in around the team. Not exactly prolific, although he's a very good player. So they've struggled for a main man and struggled to score lots of goals. But their all-round play has been quality and they've been very good. They, you know, last year they were very good and finished well up the table. What, about eight, eight last year, I think. But they, uh, you know, there'll be an opportunity there. Look, the most important players in football in the world are the goal scorers. We know that. We know that this week. We know that the World Cup. We know that ever through football. The rest of the game can be tough, but the hardest place to play is in the penalty area to score goals. And this lad looks like he's real ability to play up there and to score goals. How excited should we be then? Like you've. Because in a way, I often think when we talk about the next Robbie Keane or the next Damien Duff, it's almost disrespectful to how good they were and how high a level they were at that age. From the bits you've seen, like should we be genuinely, should we be looking at them starting against France? Well, I think that you've got to look at what, what Stephen has done and um, and some of the things he's done. I I thought they were ill-judged in some of the decisions and reliance he, he, on on the young players. I thought he went too far too far in trying to get results. I think the players have got to prove themselves in club football to a degree, balanced with what they've done in the underage teams before they should play in the senior team. Now, Nathan Collins has done that and deserves to be in there. Dara O'Shea had done that in the underage team, obviously at West Bram as well. Nathan Collins was doing it at Bournley. Go back to to um, 
Aaron Connolly and he, he, he did this at Brighton got a couple of goals against Spurs brilliant looked like a great prospect had scored some goals under age international level but had been a bit sporadic and unreliable and not every manager liked him mm. and has proved to be the case that he hasn't had the consistency and he's now trying to refine himself it looks like he's going to haul and, but he's dropped off the mark a bit Troy Parrott is another one who has been you know had a very good start looked like he was to be as near as uh, Marino urge caution in relation to him although he, 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 he was aware of his ability they loaned him out he's been a bit his, hit and miss on his loans hasn't been a consistent goal scorer again with the seniors and actually scored some goals against some of the weakest teams scored I think it was in the was it in Dora? He got a couple of mm. goals in. But he got he, a good goal against Scotland. He got a very good goal against Scotland and played very well. That was his best match. But, you know, he, he's been a bit of a slow burner mm. since then. And we, we, we've we had that a bit. So I, I think you've got it. You've got to be very careful with that important young boys in. I think they need to be playing with experience. Needs to be experienced players. You, if you. If you even look at Haaland tonight, who was a class player, an unbelievable goal-scoring record, Norwegian international, scores loads of goals, and he's playing against two experienced players tonight, didn't do as well, a couple of half chances snatched at him, didn't score. Playing against better players, more experienced. That's what it's like at international level. You're playing against the best that every country, when we play against France, what will the French, the back pairing be? Whoever it'll be, It'll be a very experienced pair or a very good pairing, mm. quick on their feet. So that's going to be that's going to be um, a big decision for Stephen to make. Who that who's going to play up front? Whether we're going to play two up front, whether it's going to be a five-three-two formation, what that pairing are going to be. But if he keeps playing as he is at the moment, remember that match isn't coming to March. He has to be very much in consideration, and then you might be comparing. Comparing to what Robbie Keane was doing when he was seventeen, when he was scoring goals to beat the band in the, in in the championship, right at Wolves, and 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 then he went on and continuously did it. Or what Damien was doing when he was playing the Backbones first team as a seventeen-year-old, eighteen-year-old regular in the in the Premier League, you know that they. they they weren't just thrown in because they were doing well in the under under eighteens or under nineteens for me. They were playing in the in, in at the top level for the clubs. They were the best players. They were the players that the fans were coming to see to on a weekly basis because they were doing as many of the other players at that time, like Richard Dunn was playing regular in the first team, Steve McPhail, Barry Quinn was playing regular at Coventry in the Premier League in the first team. So that's the level. But just because fellas are playing in the first team or near the first team shouldn't mean that they're automatic for the international team. They've got to be doing it on a regular basis, uh, on a consistent basis, I'd say, not just now and again, or not just in the championship, or not just in the in the in League One, which is the tour division. But he's playing for Brighton, who are a good side in the Premier League. So he has to be considered for a starting place, I'd say. Great stuff, Brian. Thank you. Pleasure, Nathan.